Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Angel of Words podcast. I know it's been a crazy month. Governors going after presidents, presidents going after mayors. It's It's been nuts, you know, and I really just want to thank all the essential workers, all the people from the National Guard, the Marine Corps, the Army, everyone that's been pitching in and coming to New York to try to help us during this really dire pandemic that is just wiping away a lot of the population right now. Um, and my sincerest condolences to anyone that's lost anyone throughout this coronavirus pandemic. It's nuts. But I just want you to know that you have to keep your head up and we have to just do what we have to do as individuals. Follow protocol that has been set and don't do anything that doesn't make sense sense keep yourself out of harm's way now welcome to the podcast um today we will be releasing my interview with first things first host on the fox sports network mr nick wright um, I got the interview through Blue Magazine, you know, right now, currently, I am a correspondent for them, and uh, I've been, you know, working with the magazine over the last several years, started as an intern to sports editor, now Blue correspondent, you know, shout out to uh, my boy Devon and, you know, George Jordan, who, you know, they were, they got together and actually got me this interview with someone who I highly respect, and I'll be honest with you, I know a lot of cats out there that hate on Mr. Nick Wright. Heavy. Heavy. I remember the first time when I posted a pic of him and I on the gram, I had some dudes straight say, yo, I hate that dude. He's whack. Like, really, bro? Like, you hate somebody that you don't even know? Why, is it because he looks geeky and he doesn't look like a sports person? I mean, what does a sports person look like anyway? To be completely honest with you, skinny men like sports, brolic dudes like sports. Sports is sports, bro. It's what brings men together, you know? And get us, you know, our bloods boiling, you know, talking about, you know, uh, either pugilism or, you know, anything that has to do with athleticism. You know, it's just something that we do, you know. And, uh, you know, I really hated the fact that I got, you know, such negative vibes coming my way because of my boy Nick Wright. And I just want to let you know the dude is an absolute beast. Probably top three commentators an actual host on any other sports network. This guy made me respect the game so much that that is why I am doing what I am doing right now. Nick Wright motivated me to actually get my sh together and start my own thing. And the man has been a leader in his community for civil rights, if y'all didn't know that. He's an absolute beast, you know. And just so y'all know, FYI, his wife is a woman of color, very radiant woman. And a lot of you haters will be surprised what my boy Nick Wright is pulling. You'll be real surprised and you'll probably eat your words. 
You know, but the man is always prepared. I know he's an Uber LeBron fan. You know, I enjoy MJ because, I mean, you know, MJ crushed my heart so badly that he just made me a believer. You know, LeBron I've always been a fan of, so I can't really, you know, he's never really broken my heart like that, so to speak. But MJ has crushed it on so many occasions, I can't even remember how many occasions that Michael Jordan broke my heart. And that's where, you know, Nick Wright and I differ. You know, he's a, you know, obviously we all know he's a big LeBron fan. But the man is always prepared. He has paid his dues. He has grinded hard. Has looked the haters in the face. Who, has, who have told him that he ain't no good at what he does. And he's made it, man. The dude's got his own show. You know? Chris Carter left. Everybody thought it was over. Yo, he's been holding it down. And by the way, during this interview, I was in-house at Fox Studios. It was a face-to-face interview with Nick Wright. Um... And uh, we got to meet uh, Chris Carter and um, Jenna Wolf, who actually thought, because I had my beard and my braids back then. I mean, I, you know, the braids, I don't know. But she thought I was DJ Khaled. We the best music. Another one. And Chris Carter was like, yo, that's not freaking DJ Khaled. Like, you bugging. Yo. But, you know, Chris Carter was a, you know, a high, you know, he was just like a wild personality, man. Like you could tell the dude was like just filled with energy at that moment in time. You know, uh, it, it was Memorial Day that was coming up. And he was just trying to, you know, get out of there. He obviously had plans to go have fun. But, you know, you know, I was sad to see him go. And, um, you know, because I really, you know, I, I love Chris Carter. I thought him and Nick had a great camaraderie. They had a great dynamic. It made for great TV. You know, unfortunately, Fox, you know, uh, had to let Chris go. But uh, I really enjoyed my time there interviewing him. And, you know, Chris is a great guy. Jenna's a great gal. And Nick is an amazing guy. You know what I'm saying? An amazing guy who always preps himself for his work, a super professional, treated me with the utmost respect. Here you go, like this rinky-dink journalist, you know, because that's what I think, you know, that's what I thought about myself at the time. I, You know, I, I'm in the room with, with someone that's doing exactly what I want to do, you know? And the guy treated me with the utmost respect, and it's something that I will never forget. And uh, have a lot of respect for Nick Wright. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, it's dope. And uh, on deck, next, my boy Nick Wright, host of First Things First on Fox. Angel Quiles here for Blue Magazine with uh, Mr. Nick Wright from Fox Sports 1's First Things First. And uh, First Things First, uh, I have to say, you look very dapper on camera, mostly all the time. Um, I got to find out, is that something that you take home with you when you go home? Oh, well, so my wife, by trades, is a stylist. Oh, interesting. She uh, she's works for the show doing my clothes. She also is... Uh, personal shopper for people for major events or a stylist for people for major events uh, and so 
I, I didn't I didn't come by it naturally, uh, but over the last ten years we've been together, she's kind of slowly but surely built it up to where. Yeah, I mean, I think I try to I try to look good when I go out, but it's all her doing. Like that is she puts together anytime we're going out what I'm wearing, what she's wearing, and have it match together. And I, what I would say is when I'm not working, it's a much more casual look. Like I don't wear suits really anywhere except for the yeah. television show. Maybe blazers sometimes, but it's more of kind of a I'd say more of a cool look that, but yeah always try to be put together have shoes match shirts stuff like that do you have a favorite designer that, that she's put you on to or anything like that nature, oh I mean gravitate I, to? The, I like a lot of Ted Baker's stuff okay um, there's one other in particular that if she when she comes back she's gonna remind me there's okay. one other uh, real nice one that I like that's a little higher end but I like a lot of the Ted Baker stuff but I'm like if I, I like to wear basically either Jordans or the new LeBron 15s. Oh, like, those are beautiful. And yeah. like, I got those in like a half dozen colors. Yeah. I got like 20 <laughs> different pairs of yeah. the old school Jordans. So I more of like nice like G-Star jeans, mm. Jordan or LeBron tennis shoes, track jacket to match type. Okay. You know what I mean? That's yeah. more of my regular go-to. Okay. And as far as the different like suits... I'm not. I'm not as sophisticated on that as she is. She pick, She she does a good job. She picks it out. Lets okay. me know what's what. Does she pick out your lapel pins too? And picks out everything. Oh, all right. Everything. All right. The whole. Every single thing I'm wearing is done by her. The the lapel pin. I I was big on the uh, those flower lapels. Yes, I, I actually noticed that you've while you've been on the air. Yeah, and so you had a nice beautiful violet one not too long ago. Yes, that I with. and so I was big on those. It seems like the style is transitioning a little bit. From those more to things like this, uh, we have a guy on our sh- show named a contributor, a guest on our show named Chris Canty, who has a lot of really cool different lapel pins. He has like a key that's really cool. He's got a bunch of them. Yeah, Canty's fresh. Yeah, yeah, Canty. Yeah, yeah. He's fresh. a really good dresser. <laughs> yeah, really good dresser, and he's got to have all his stuff super custom made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's because he's six eight. And so, but um, but yeah, I try to. I, I also the one the one little thing that's not through Fox or Danielle that I do is I've got ninety sharpies of every different color that exists except for burgundy because they have for some reason they don't make a burgundy sharpie. felt tip sharpie mm-hmm. um, and I match the sharpie to my tie Ooh, okay. every day and so like that was something. I, Digger Phelps used to do that with his highlighter. Oh, really? Um, but I, uh, I did this independent of that. So, mm-hmm. like, every day you'll see a sh- the Sharpie that I'm holding either matches the tie directly or matches a stroke in the tie. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Now, Nick, I mean, obviously you're an avid sports lover. I mean, what, what, <clears throat> what sparked your interest and love for what you do right now? I mean, I would say until I was 9 or 10... I was really convinced I was going to play in the NBA. Okay. Uh, and I remember being a little kid riding around with my dad and telling him I thought I was going to be Moses Malone of all people. And I think by the time I was maybe was seven or eight, I was convinced I was going to play. Nine or ten, I wasn't so sure. And by 11, 12, I was like, that probably ain't going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And so to me, the next best thing was to talk about the games, to cover the games, to be a part of the, the league and pro sports that way. So when I was 12 years old, 
I, uh, I was fortunate enough to meet Bob Costas, and I asked oh, him wow. where he went to school, what he did. And he told me, went to Syracuse, um, worked at a place at Syracuse called WAER, and he and I actually stayed in contact the entirety of my childhood from there moving forward. And that was just, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Syracuse, I'm going to work at WAER, and it was the only school I applied to. And I went there, and by the time I was done there, I was the running, it's a professional radio station on the student campus. I was running the talk show department of WAER, and I got... A few days after graduation, I started at a radio station in my hometown, uh, 610 in Kansas City, hosting on the weekends and producing during the week. And over the course of five years in Kansas City, I did weekends to nights to middays to afternoons. I then got hired by a radio station in Houston in 2012 to do mornings. I did mornings there for four years. And then in April of 2016, Fox hired me to come go on other people's TV shows, fill in for Colin Cowherd on his yeah. show, be a guest there, and then Chris and I started our show. So that was in LA. We moved to New York about 10 months ago, 11 months ago, and then we started this show this past Labor Day. Now, um, that program at Syracuse is really tough to get into. Um, was there ever a time in your life where you felt like quitting and you felt like you couldn't do it? Mm. No. You were confident about the whole process. You knew that's what you wanted. Yeah, I the mm -hmm. and that's not to sound like arrogant. I no. just it was um it was the only school I applied to for a reason. I, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri's mm -hmm. got a really good journalism school. Not they're more uh television journalism than radio, and I was focused on radio at the time. Uh but I didn't apply to Missouri. Um I'm uh, in an odd stroke, both my parents have graduate degrees from Harvard, and due to the, like the, their legacy admittance and how I did on my SATs, I, I almost assuredly would have gotten into Harvard. I didn't apply uh, because I only wanted to go to Syracuse, and I, I'm very, very blessed in that I've got my mom, my dad, my sister all have... Two of them have law degrees. The one that doesn't have a law degree is my mother, who is Vassar Johns Hopkins Harvard Business School. So they all have postgraduate degrees. They're all high achievers. Oh, and I, right. I I only say that. Mm -hmm. I don't say that to brag or anything. I no, only you say that because. Mm -hmm. But it's if I was not going to go to graduate school, I was going to not my, not do something. My dad ran the Kansas City Firefighters Union for 30 years, really helping people. My sister worked with the, I believe it was the National Organization of Women, she worked with a women's ad advocacy group in New York City and helped get the statute of limitations on sexual abuse removed in New York State. Like, like so if I'm going to do something that is, let's be honest, kind of meaningless, talk about sports, it's all make-believe, it's all pretend, the only way I could, and not get extra degrees and stuff, the only way I could justify that is if I was going to do it to the highest level possible. I mean, that's why I loved Kansas City. That's where I'm from, to where I was on the radio there. By the time I was, would have been 2012. So by the time I was 27, I was hosting arguably the most popular sports show in Kansas City. I could have stayed there forever. I had a, my wife, and she wasn't my wife at the time, my fiance yeah. at the time. I, we were there, I could have bought a house and stayed there. I. But I all I wanted to see the highest level I could do this, and so I've never, I've always had an end point in mind. I've always had what my perceived finish line is in mind, and every professional decision I've made has been 
which gets me closer to there. So I went from Kansas City, a place I loved, to Houston, a place I wasn't comfortable. Mm-hmm. I, my first day setting foot in the state of Texas was the job interview in Houston. And I did that not because I wanted to stay in Houston, but because you can't get to national platforms from market. Kansas City. You can mm-hmm. get there from Houston. And so, mm-hmm. no, I've... I, I think this is there's too many people that want to do this because listen it's, we watch games for a living we talk about games for a living uh, and I obviously didn't play at a high level so there's a lot of people trying to do what I'm doing and so if you are not dead set in your conviction and your work ethic there's no path to it so I if I ever doubted that I wanted to do this it would have meant I'm not supposed to do this it's the only thing I've ever considered doing was sports broadcasting. I always thought it would be radio. It was radio for college and then nine years after college, and now it's television, but it's the same, a lot of the same steps. Yeah. Um, but no, I've. this was, I mean, you asked the, you know, my mom's friends when I was growing up, time I was 13 years old, 12, 13 years old, I'd say this is what I was gonna do. How did you feel the first time you went on live TV? First, all right, so that's a good, when was the first, so the, First, I guess the first time I was on live TV was in Kansas City, probably 2011, on a local station, like reacting to the Chiefs mm-hmm. draft. Um, I, you know, it's weird. I, I'd be lying if I didn't say there was there was some nerves the first time I was on FS1, the first time yeah. I was on national yeah. TV. Um, but I'm, I, I'm an odd guy in that I am much more anxious. I'll, I'll, the most anxious I've been all day was the elevator ride up here. Like, I'm much more socially anxious than I am on doing my job. I'm very comfortable doing my job. I, I don't know why. I, I've just, I've always felt at home either on the radio or on television. Like, it's a place to me of utmost honesty. It's a place of utmost comfort. I, I always, the one thing... Listen, I sell my kids all the time. Like, I didn't play sports at a high level. I, I didn't have, I don't have a great radio voice. I don't have a great television face. Like, the way I've gotten to where I am is just pure determination and work ethic. And I say that to say, I think people are typically most nervous if they're worried they're not prepared. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's hard for me to be unprepared. And so I'm always prepared for it. Now, there are things that catch you off guard. There are, there are moments you, obviously you can be better, but I'm not, nerves are not, I deal with other, there are other drawbacks for me or other weaknesses for me. Nerves or anxiety about once I'm on the air doesn't really exist. Anxiety before the show, anxiety the night before, what are we talking about, how am I gonna do it? But once the show starts, I, yeah, as long as I can remember, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, I, I'm very at ease or at peace. Now you you, mem- you mentioned um, that you know your your sister uh, was you know she was socially she's a socially mm-hmm. conscious individual and yeah. I noticed that about you as well. Um, what what do you think is the one of the biggest things that that force is facing right now in terms of like social consciousness? One of the biggest issues in the sports world. In the sports world, yeah. America's race problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to consider myself a student of history, particularly U.S. history, from Reconstruction through the Civil Rights Act. And if you 
have any study in American history, you know that, like, while in England it's class is the issue, or in Europe, I should say, it's probably class. In India, it's a caste system. Yeah. system. America's, it's a race issue. Mm -hmm. And any country that supercharged its ability, because we're still a young country into world yeah. superpower through unpaid slave labor is going to have a race issue. And we've never, in my opinion, honestly and truly dealt with it. I, there's a long answer, I apologize. No, no, it's I, okay, uh, please. The reason that I tried to focus some of my area of study on reconstruction is that's the closest we came right after the Civil War. That was that so many very, fences, yeah. And to giving people a fair shot. Mm -hmm. And, but almost all the progress of reconstruction was undone Right, I mean, shortly thereafter, with the Jim Crow era, and people, people don't get that. People don't understand that until the mid '60s, it was legal to discriminate legal, legal to discriminate in housing against black people in this country. People don't understand that when we talk about crime in inner cities. Well, that's not an accident. Like if you remove jobs and schools from a certain area and say that's the only area of a city black people can live because it's the only because they move into any other area the whole neighborhood will be redlined and so they've been forced out of it like that was that was my parents generation and so that we've only even come close to giving and I'm not acting like black people are the only minority race that deals with this, but that's probably more my area of study. Yeah. Um, we've only given black Americans even close to a fair shake for 35 or 40 years in this country. Thank you for tuning in to the Angel of Words podcast. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Nick Wright, host of First Things First on Fox Sports. He's a real big inspiration to me and has motivated me to actually do what I'm doing right now. If you want to continue following the Angel of Words podcast, click the notification bell on YouTube. My YouTube channel is Angel of Words ENT. You could also follow me on any of my social media platforms at Angel of Words ENT. That is Angel, A-N-G-E-L. O-F-W-O-R-D-S-E-N-T. I really look forward to uh, doing more podcasts and entertaining you guys. So please take care and I will talk to you later.